Hello. Hi. This. Thanks for answering the call. Uh, you're welcome. How are this you doing tonight? The, uh, hi, Donald. I'm good. So thank. So here we are. Another episode of What Do You Know? I've got Donald Gill with me uh, from the far reaches of uh, Warrensburg, Missouri. <laughs> I'm trying to hit all the out of towners, and you know, technically, technically, you're an out of towner in my book. Well, I, yeah, I guess technically it's about sixty miles east. Yeah. So you ready to get started? Sure. Yeah. This will be this will be good. I like this. Okay. Can you share a testimony of your calling? Uh, yeah. You know, actually, there's uh, when I was uh, baptized um, and I started my teaching career. Uh, I was down in South Missouri and was attending the Houston local. Uh, my dad visited um, a couple times, and each time that he came, he he said that he was told to tell me to prepare for the ministry. But he didn't have any more details than that. So that just kind of started things. Um, and I began to think about it and think, well, what what do I do to prepare? And um, I remember uh, the apartment that I had there literally had a walk-in closet. It was it was awesome. <laughs> I miss that walk-in closet. Um, but I, I went into my closet, uh, literally, and I prayed uh, about it. And um, Perfect. Uh, yeah. And I... You know, one of the things that I prayed was, you know, God, if that's if if you're going to call me to the ministry, I actually had a request for him. And uh, I, I didn't know if you were even supposed to do that. I was, you know, I'm breaking new ground here in my life, you know, at this point in time going, um, I'm not sure what's right and what's proper and all that. But I said, you know, if uh, if you're going to call me, could you call me to be an elder? Because I really would like to be able to be um involved in administering to people. I uh, just, you know, I grew up seeing that and I knew of the blessings of it. And it was something that I, I really wanted to be a part of. And um, it was, I don't know how many years later, uh, not that many, um, but at the Missouri Reunion uh, in 1998, which suddenly is longer ago than I want it to be. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, brother uh, Roland Surratt stood up and he made the calling for Jeff Oldham, uh, Rick Olson and myself and uh, all three of us. And uh, when I heard my name, I had this uh, warmth wash over me um, from head to toe, but there were goosebumps with it, which, uh, you know, details for some people aren't a big deal. For me, it was kind of like, wow, why would I feel warm all over, but still have goosebumps? You know, it seemed like a, it seemed like a significant thing. Um, and I was called to be an elder, um, just like I had prayed. And I took that also as some sort of a um, signal that this was a legitimate thing. But something I, I had learned during my baptism was also brought to my mind because I pond as you know, as I thought about the calling and you know, what do I do now and, and all that. I was probably about 14 years old when I thought I should be baptized. And then it took me another 10 years before it actually happened. Um, okay. And, Don't rush well, into anything. That, yeah, really. Well, it was really kind of a procrastination thing, really. Okay. Um, and I went through a lot of avoidable turmoil in my life that I, I think would have been better for me had I not waited so long. But the, the point of that was when it was brought to my memory, I realized, you know, I didn't have 10 years to consider this calling. I needed to not procrastinate things and, and act on it. And so I, I did, actually. I said, okay. And uh, it was interesting because at the Missouri reunion when, when I was called and the other two uh, brothers were called as well, uh, there were witnesses for all three of us. 
present. So I had a couple people stand up and say that they knew that was going to happen. And uh, there was a, there were no, uh, what's the phrase I should use? No naysayers. <laughs> right. And, uh, and it was, it was a, a meeting with a good spirit. And I took all of those things to heart, but actually the, I think that the greatest testimony that I ever received about my calling was actually probably a couple years after I was ordained. And I, that, that might be weird. I don't know. But I was part of the visiting ministry program here in Missouri, and I was traveling to Cowgill um, on a particular Sunday. I happened to be by myself that time, though my, you know, I was married and had a c- couple kids by this point. But, um, you know, I was just kind of not in a good mood, maybe feeling a little angry or depressed about how life was turning out or going at the time or something, and um, kind of bemoaning about how I, I felt a little unworthy to preach the Word of God, you know. And I remember I did this a lot where I'm driving around and I'm talking to God and there's nobody else in, in the in the cab with me. So, you know, it seemed like a good conversation to have. And I remember asking, you know, is this something you really want me to do? Um, you know, look at how look at how frail I am. Is this is, you know, is this really something that I'm supposed to be doing? And I I preached a sermon that day as I was supposed to, and I didn't think it was all that great. But after the services were over, I, I lingered a while, and I thought that I was actually the last person to leave, which is unusual for a visitor to do, but I was headed to my, uh, it was a little trek I had at the time, and I was headed to it, and I felt this hand on my shoulder, and I turned around, and there was a sister there, and um, Wilma Bryant, and uh, she's, of course, since gone on, but, and she said, I, I wanted to tell you that I really appreciated your sermon today, and I said, well, thank you, and she said, and, and I also feel like I'm supposed to tell you that you're supposed to be doing this. Oh. And uh, yeah, and it was one of those things where there's absolutely no way that she would have known what I was thinking on the way up and praying and saying out loud in my in my truck. And, you know, I was I was really floored. And but it was it was God's answer to my to my question and uh, and to the doubts that I was feeling at the time. It but, seemed, you know, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. It seems that's kind of part of being a Christian is you have to talk to yourself at some, or talk by yourself. That's a better way of saying it. I, I know, <laughs> I know a lot of people do that. It's you're finally alone. You finally have your alone time. And a lot of times it's in the car, it seems like, and yeah. you have that, that time to talk with yourself or with God, talk, talk by yourself. And, uh, uh, that's that's a common theme, I think. If you're a Christian, you you have to do this at some point in time. Talk to God in your car. Um, avoidable turmoil. Yeah. I like that phrase. Oh yeah. I think you've just uh, coined something. I'm going to be I'm going to be recalling. Yeah, that's fine. Well, and you know, for me, you know, from from the ages, of, of course, that was leading up to baptism. But you know, from the age of 14 until I was actually baptized was. You know, it's not that there were horrible things that were happening to me as much as there were internal struggles I was having, and I didn't really have any guidance in my brain, if that makes sense. And um, yeah, little little decisions along the way and stuff that were actually pushing me in a in a wrong direction. And that's so I I kind of kind of look at it as that. Yeah, those are tough years. I know. Yeah. I know. I had too. Looking back on my life, I know I had too much influence. I was trying to impress the wrong people all the time, all the time. I, I was just such a, a dumb kid, but avoidable turmoil, <laughs> turmoil fits really well with that. 
uh, ideas. And the other thing I want to say, it's uh, you were Jeff and Rick were all called at the same time. You, Jeff and Rick. Yeah. That's um, a, a good uh, uh, superhero team there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that part, but uh, I definitely, I definitely uh, have respect for my brothers and, uh, and it's, uh, you know, sometimes I, I'm not sure what words to use because words are important to me, but you know, I, 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 I would say I find it an honor to have been called at the same time that they did, but at the same time, I'm not sure I should say it as being an honor. You know what I mean? I, I understand. Sound, <laughs> I understand. We shouldn't sound proud and all of that. I guess is what I'm after, but still at the same time, I, you know, uh, enjoy that fact about it. Right. Right. I, I think, uh, we're allowed to judge the, by the fruit. Right. And yeah. so if you yeah. would allow me to do so, I would say, that's a good superhero team there. So <laughs> you don't have to say it. I will say it on your, <laughs> okay. on your behalf. So, and, and that's what we do. We, we are, we can judge things. We're allowed to do that. God lets us do that. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I, I think it would be a mistake for us to uh, try to discourage compliments too, because those are meant to be encouraging. And um, uh, so yeah. I, I, I will choose to take encouragement from that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, one of the things uh, you you've tied something to, to a memory to me. I'm I'm sitting in the backyard. I, I don't know what I'm doing in the backyard. And somebody said something nice to my brother or me, and we both have this instinct to just say, "Ah, it was nothing. No, don't don't worry about it." No, and something like that. And and David Taylor's there, and he says, "I think he means thank you." <laughs> and he just kind of put us both in our place. It's like, learn how to take a compliment. We, we appreciate that and what you've done. Don't say it was yeah. nothing. Say thank you. And he just yeah. kind of looked at both of us and put us in our place. So so thank you, David Taylor. So there's a memory there. You know, learn how to take a compliment. It's okay to just say yeah. thanks, you know. Yeah. So this ties in what you you're the one that brought up Cowgill. I remember going to Cowgill and hearing you preach. I don't know if this was the same place. Um Probably not, probably not. It was the same place, but same time. But I remember being yeah, I there. I don't recall. But... In, right, right. I'm sure it wasn't. But we stayed around afterwards. We ate and I have this distinct memory of you sitting down. I think you wanted sweet potato pie or, and you ended up, and it was pumpkin pie. I don't know exactly, but my wife made it and you were eating the pie and it wasn't what you wanted. And, <laughs> and so, or what you thought it was. And we, everybody said, how good did you, did you, you know, we asked what you thought of the pie. He says, it was good for what it was. And, <laughs> and that stuck with me. And it's like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm going to, I'm going to use that too. So you're, you are full of avoidable turmoil. And the other one you've said it was, it was good for what it was, but you just kind of had your heart on set on what you thought it was going to be like this expectation of sweet potato pie. And it was, it was something different. And, and, and you were very politely said it was good for what it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and maybe it's to a fault sometimes, but I, I, I don't really want to offend anybody ever. Um, but uh, so I try and find ways to say truthful things that I can maybe make not offensive at the same time, but I think you've um, mastered it. <laughs> Well, like I said, it could be to a fault, so I, I don't know, but we'll, that'll, we'll okay. figure that out as I go, I suppose. <laughs> okay. Uh, question number two, how mm -hmm. long and how much do you prepare for a typical sermon and how many sermons have you preached? If you have a number, if you think. Let me start with the number thing. I, I don't know that I have an exact number. I mean, I've, I've 
being ordained in 1998, I know that my first sermon was in that same year. It was October, and I was at the Houston local. Um, I, you know, I've been, um, I, I was down there for, um, oh, seven years, I think, and uh, I was assistant pastor at that local, and then, um, of course, I'm the pastor at Warrensburg now, and of course, you add in the 22 years of, of being uh, called, and, you know, I'm, I'm doing the math out loud in my head. I, not out loud in my head, out loud, I guess. <laughs> um, and I was, I was also on the visiting minister schedule for a while. I haven't been now because, um, you know, just being the pastor at Warrensburg, I thought it wiser as we added on to the building to, to just kind of be around more. But, um, goodness, I mean, I've been to Springfield and Ava and Collins, Cowgill, um, Missouri Union. I'm sure it's hundreds to be honest, and I don't know how that rates to anybody else, so I don't know if that's a big deal or not, but um, I'm sure it's hundreds. But, you know, um, I hope that they were all worth it. Does that make sense uh, to, to the people that heard? Because, I mean, one one really <laughs> right. good sermon is 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 um, worth, you know, is worth it. Um, hundreds doesn't necessarily mean anything if they didn't carry any if they, if they didn't have any value to them, if that makes sense. But, well, we're just asking for, uh, just to get to know you, you know, and, 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 uh, just to, just more information, just to find out where you're preaching at and, and how long you've been preaching and, and, and the, the way you answer the question lets us know more about you too. So it's really not a competition. Although I have said, you know, you, you don't have the record, but you're also not the lowest that I've interviewed either. So you're, you're in the middle. <laughs> I'm in the middle. Go oh, good. That's a good place to be, I suppose. Um, you asked about how, how much time I put into preparing sermons uh, and that kind of thing. And it really, I, I think that I put a lot more time into it earlier. And it really also depends. Um, because I've had, I've had a few sermons where I've had no prep at all. You know, uh, there have been a few times at Warrensburg of, of recent memory where I, I absolutely had no idea until... I mean, this one particular Sunday, we're singing the opening song to the service where there's preaching, and I'm the preacher, and I'm going, I have nothing. There's nothing. Then just before, you know, just as I'm doing the opening prayer and about to well, introduce myself, because lots of times I'm by myself there, a scripture comes to mind, and I'm like, well, okay. And so I start with that, and by the time by the time I was done in that one particular thing, um, a sister there came up and said, I think that's the best sermon you've ever given. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I look at that kind of a situation and I go, that's totally the Holy, the Holy ghost. When, when that kind of a thing happens, uh, because I had nothing. Um, and, and the Holy spirit had something and I just needed to just not, not worry about it and let it happen. But, most of the time I have an outline of my scriptures, um, maybe a, a phrase written out here and there that I feel should be said in a certain way. And I've started using my little cell phone features to to put those outlines there instead of having paper all the time. But I don't know. It it, it depends. Um, it could be a couple of days before. I could have something on my mind for, for weeks. I um, Actually, there have been a few sermons where I've had a scripture or statement come to my mind and then the whole thing just starts flowing. And I actually have found myself just feverishly writing to keep up with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And and a lot of times those are word for word sermons. And it, like I'm actually writing it out, but I'm just keeping up with what's what's been given to me. And 
those are, by the time I'm done, those are practically memorized. And those are kind of exciting to deliver because I feel like, oh, that was completely not anything from me. And that's, that's exciting, you know, because there was a reason why it came the way it did. And I'm kind of excited to, to do those and, and find out what, you know, who needed to hear it exactly that way kind of a thing. Right. Um, but I would say that no sermon that I've ever done turns out exactly the way I thought it would be or maybe planned or, or whatever. But I, you know, I look at that and I think that the, the spirit gives thoughts at the moment um, when you're standing there that you didn't plan. And uh, I, I think the spirit also takes thoughts away from you at the moment that for whatever reason, it's decided that I don't need to say that. And it just kind of is gone from my head. And then I look at my notes later and go, oh, I forgot to say that. And, <laughs> and it's okay because I figure, well, that's, that's what needed to be said, what I said. So Interesting. I think I'm taking a guess that the the time when you had no idea what you're going to preach that was not early on in your in your uh, service but you were no. as you became more relaxed or or accustomed to it you would trust God more I guess trust the spirit more I I I, I yeah, can't imagine I so. doing that I can't imagine starting out that way just being so seasoned that you know what I mean I don't know yeah, and there's a, I mean, and it's, I think it's with anything that we do that's a service um, for God, uh, for others, for God, you know, yeah. is that we we do get more um, used to doing it, more comfortable. I, I, I have to admit, um, and it's basically because of my background and the things I've done in my life, but I've, I've never really been nervous up front to give a sermon. Any kind of nervousness that I've ever felt isn't about whether... I can talk or I can, you know, open the book to the right place or read. It's, it's more of, for me, it's always been more of a, I don't want to do this wrong and, and just being nervous that I'm going to say something that's completely wrong <laughs> or, 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 or not serve God. Well, you know, that's, that's been my concern. Um, and, but I've, you know, it's, you do grow more accustomed to it and it's a, it's a building of trust uh, between the person who's preaching and the spirit and they, they, the person has to trust that the spirit's got this. And uh, when you can trust that, then you can stand there and go, I, I have absolutely nothing. And in about 30 seconds, the last verse of this song is done. So what, what's going to happen here? And then think, you know what, God's got this. I'm just supposed to stand here and do what I'm supposed to do. And he's going to take care of it. I like that. I like that thought. I got this. God's got this. As if he's yeah. telling it to you. Yeah, it, it means to me, you know, for me, with the, so many different ways that a sermon will happen and, and different amounts of time that have gone into it, um, you know, sometimes it's just, just a few minutes and sometimes it's days and days. Um, but it just tells me that I just need to be available to him and I need to be flexible and just glad to serve him no matter how he leads. And um, uh, I just think those are important things. Uh, it keeps me not worried about the process and um, just more concerned about making sure I'm in tune. Sure. So when you're preparing, are you, you got, you have your books in front of you. Are you using your uh, scripture? The question is, what do your scriptures look like? Do you highlight, do you underline, do you circle post-it notes? Um, it sounds like you're using the uh, website, the search search engine you're doing stuff on your phone right you're preparing it and putting it on your phone 
Yeah, and that's really more of a just in the last few years kind of a thing. Uh, you know, I finally have a phone that's uh, <laughs> up to the task. So okay, um, I, it is more convenient, I have to admit. But um, no, my scriptures actually. Um, I don't. I don't really write a lot in them. Every now and then, uh, there's a, a place where I've written a note in the margin, or there's something underlined or highlighted. Uh, I've never really been in the habit of circling, I suppose. But mostly, my scriptures are pretty clean of marks. Where I have all my marks is on uh, whenever I've prepared things uh, on paper, uh, because okay. yeah, because what there's. I mean. You could almost call it chicken scratches. And I've got arrows. I've got asterisks. I've got scribbles, notes on the edges. I've got an arrow that'll go from the middle of the page all around the margin to the top corner where I had to write a, oh, oh I need to write this note about that verse over there, and I forgot to write it. You know, just stuff like that. I've got my own shorthand abbreviations. You know, uh, it's a very stream of consciousness uh, on paper, and I doubt that if anybody found my sermon notes on paper, they would have... <laughs> any clue what was going on there other than recognizing, you know, Oh, there's a scripture, <laughs> you know, right. But my scriptures are actually in pretty decent shape as far as, you know, writing on them and all that kind of stuff. Um, my Bible has a couple retaped pages where the, you know, the thin pages were torn and that, that was actually, a, um, one of my kids one time reached up and grabbed, grabbed the thin paper. And of course, little kids have sharp nails. Oh yeah. my goodness. And, <laughs> And uh, tore it, tore it, and I of course was irritated at the time, and and I taped the pages back and uh, and all that. But it's actually become a a pleasant memory of of my of my child when they were little, and uh, and in fact, um, the where it's taped is at Romans twelve, which I was is gonna ask one of my you, favorite scriptures. <laughs> that's perfect. I was gonna ask you if it was something good or something that you're gonna turn to a lot. So that's great. <laughs> Yeah, so actually, I mean, it's not like a bookmark, but I can always tell that page because it's a little thicker than the rest. That's perfect. So <laughs> uh, we're to that point now. You mentioned Romans 12. I'm curious if that was in your uh, favorites. Do you have some scriptures prepared that you'll share with us tonight? Um, yeah, and, you know, I I wasn't 100% sure how to go about it. I, I don't think you're asking me to preach a sermon or anything, but... Uh, no, no, just uh, just what your your favorites are. These are these are not necessarily about a message that you have for us, but for us to understand what you like about the scriptures, what your favorites are. I I want to know what Donald Gill likes about the gospel <laughs> of Christ. Yeah, well, and and you know, first of all, there's I mean, there's uh, anytime I think of a scripture. Uh, that, that I like, there's always two or three more that are connected to it. And uh, so any kind of a, a list or a limited kind of a number never works for me. I'm just, my brain just goes out and connects with those others too. But, um, but, you know, I think for me, that's, that's an important thing. Um, there's two really important things that drive me on scriptures. And one of them is that every scripture needs to teach us about Jesus Christ and, and be seen that way. Cause I think that, to uh, to see scriptures in any other way means that we're not. It, the danger is to not be focused on what's important and what we should really gain out of it. Um, the, the other thing for me is that I think it's really important to be able to make connections, uh, whether it's between the Bible and the Book of Mormon, so to show that they are connected and and preaching the same thing, whether it's finding some sort of connection with 
a scripture to to something in life, you know, I, I just feel like it's really important to make connections or it isn't, it just doesn't become an active part of our lives that way. But I guess the first one I was going to, was going to bring up is uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 13. And it really is just one verse out of that. And I don't, I don't want to, you know, pick and choose scriptures here and there because I appreciate context as well. But um, Okay, but that Hebrews... is exactly what I asked you to do is pick and choose scriptures. <laughs> oh, no. So, so <laughs> no, that's, that's on fine. me. That's on me. I know that's not what you like to do, but I, I'm telling you, <laughs> that's what I asked for. <laughs> no, that's fine. And, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm not objecting at all. But uh, Hebrews 13, uh, verse 8, and it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Um, and what that always tells me um, not just the fact of the statement, but it also tells me that this gospel and our Savior, they're not moving targets. Um, they're not something that we have to guess about because he is the same all the time and will be forever. It's um, We can count on him uh, when we can't count on ourselves, when we can't count on others. Um, you know, we can count on Jesus. And, you know, that's the beauty of how simple it is, is he's not a moving target. We don't have to guess. We just we do need to learn and find out about him, but we don't have to guess, and we can count on him being there all the time. I like how it says it too. Okay, it says it so matter-of-factly, thirteen eight, that it's it doesn't say Jesus is the same yesterday. Today. It just it, Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it says it so matter-of-factly that it's so it's a given. It's a truth. And it just, I like the way it presents that thought. And and I thank you for bringing that scripture to tonight. So thank you. No, you're welcome. Yeah. And it, um, it just, it, to me, it's, it's very practical. It's very pragmatic. It, it does it being so matter of fact, it, it makes it sound like that, you know, um, he is the same, and he's always there, and he's involved in our lives. It's not, it's not some sort of uh, pixie duster or or magical thing. You know, that's not how God operates. He 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 can he can. I mean, obviously, but he uh, is is more concerned with being in our in our lives. And so, I don't know. It just it just touches where I I feel like the scriptures need to be practical, um, and involved in our lives, which. Um, which reminds me of Second Nephi chapter thirteen. I guess that'd be the next scripture. And and frankly, I would, um, I, I can't pick a verse out of it. I'm I'm not going to read the whole chapter or anything. But I think really the whole chapter is just huge for me. I mean, you know, it it uh, it it starts out uh, talking about repenting of our sins, and it talks about the the gate uh, that we should enter is baptism. And then it, it talks about not just that, but then it says that after you've been baptized, it's all done. And it, so it speaks to everybody. It speaks to the ones who are searching. It speaks to the ones who are, you know, right at the, right at the gate, who are, are interested in baptism and learning about it. And then it speaks to those that have been baptized and said, you know, you're not done. There's, you got to keep moving. You got to keep going forward. Um, and, and the whole thing then winds up in the last three verses of that chapter, verse 30 says, Wherefore, if ye shall press forward, feasting upon the word of Christ, and endure to the end, behold, thus saith the Father, ye shall have eternal life. And now my, and now behold, my beloved brethren, this is the way, and there is none other way nor name given under heaven, whereby man can be saved in the kingdom of God. 
And now behold, this is the doctrine of Christ and the only and true doctrine of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, which is one God without end. Amen. And those last three verses, like I said, I love the whole chapter, but those last three verses are, are great in their summary, but it points out again, um, not only is Jesus the same, but it points out that Jesus is the only only way. And again, it's it's practical because there's no moving target. There's one There's one way. And you don't have to, as long as you're willing to choose that one way, we don't have to flounder around trying to figure out, well, look at all these options that are out there. Which one is right? Well, we know which one is right. It's not a guessing game. And I like the chapter because it says this is the doctrine of Christ. And uh, again, it's a very, very practical. Um, it's a nice nutshell kind of a chapter to to describe for us this this great doctrine, this great gospel. Earlier, me and my friends were, we have this uh, Slack channel we're always chatting with, and I put together, there's this Star Wars show out that's real popular right now called The Mandalorian. And we, and we, I put together this, this picture of The Mandalorian's helmet and 2nd Nephi 1331. And it says, this is the way. And I thought this is the greatest camp T-shirt ever, and so and so I, and so we've we've discussed this this uh, verse uh, amongst us, and we always and and my thought was we should make a camp we should make a T-shirt out of this. Everybody thinks the Mandalorian is this is the way, but we should put Second Nephi thirteen thirty one on there. Yeah, I it really it's it, I it just to me it's just so strong because uh, of you know the the summary that it makes it. I don't know. I love it. Anyway, <laughs> I just end up repeating myself, but I, I really am drawn to that chapter a lot. And, you know, and along the same lines, uh, because I do like to see connections and sameness between the scriptures that um, the other scripture that I really like is Romans chapter 12. And we were talking before, that's yeah. that's the one where my, my child tore the pages and stuff, and now it's taped and it's uh, it, it's actually easier to find, which is really cool. But Romans 12 is, I was always fascinated with it as a kid because I, I learned pretty early on that it was my grandfather Harris's favorite chapter. And, uh, you know, I think that kids, as soon as they learn that, oh, grandpa likes this or, or granddad, as we called him, uh, likes this, then we, we immediately become fascinated with those things, or at least I always was. And so it's one of the chapters that I probably read uh, earliest in my life. But again, uh, the whole chapter, you know, I, I, pulling a verse out of it is, is sometimes a struggle, but the whole chapter is very practical, you know, as it talks about not, uh, don't recompense evil for evil. Like, you know, if someone does something evil to you, then don't, don't do it back to them. Not slothful in business, you know, and I'm just hitting some of the phrases through the chapter, given to hospitality. All these things are practical things in our lives that we can do. But again, the chapter uh, summarizes with verse 21. Um, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And it's a, it's a good summary statement of everything that Paul uh, had been writing in that chapter. Um, our, our, our day-to-day Christian life and the practical things that we can do that show our Christian life are meant ultimately to overcome evil with good instead of us just, you know, falling in line with all the other people that I haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> if that's a safe way to put that. Yeah. That's yeah, that's an excellent chapter. 
I don't, I, I don't feel, I feel like I have to comment every time. I really just, I'm not going to, I'm probably going to edit this out. Just let you keep cooking. <laughs> you don't have to. Like, well, I'm, so the memory I have of this is uh, Bob Hedrick, he would at camp, he crosses his legs and then everyone else after him crosses his legs the same way, except for the last person who crossed his legs a different way. And then Bob Hedrick puts his hat on. Uh, a, a certain way and then everyone else copies what Bob did and then the last person put his hat on not exactly like how everyone else did it and and so they do this in a series of times with toothpicks uh, rolling up your sleeves I don't know what it was but each time someone did something <laughs> everybody copied him except for the last guy and then they all had these signs and the first one that Bob Hedrick had was the world he turned it over and everyone next to him turned their sign over it was transform or conform, 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 and then the last guy put transform. Yeah, and oh, so I, this I, I this imagery. That one. Oh yeah, this imagery has never left me. This it's one of those moments when when it's it's just not. I'm never gonna not remember that. Uh, that yeah. was that was a really weird way of saying. <laughs> I'm never <laughs> going to not remember. Uh, okay, <laughs> that's how my mind works. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I understood you. I think we're okay. <laughs> yeah, and those are those are powerful moments. And uh, I, I, yeah, I think we can turn those lessons, turn those scriptures into visual lessons too. It really is is helpful. I try to occasionally, but you know, probably should do more. But yeah, that's and and I and I didn't mention those first two verses of that chapter. But yeah, between those first two verses and the last one, everything in between to really just is the is the the pages of the book and the other verses beginning and end are, are the covers and it just is a really strong um narrative of of the christian life yes everyone listening to this podcast you have homework you've got yeah. you've got chapter 13 of second Nephi and chapter 12 of, of romans let's see what else he's got for us <laughs> Yeah, and and you know those were easy to connect together. I don't know if the rest of these are are going to be so connected. Um, but um, one of the um, you know I used to be I, I'm going to go to Revelations next actually, or I should maybe I should more properly call it the Revelation. Uh, I don't yes. remember if that's ever been settled, but <laughs> you know I as a yeah, as a kid, I didn't. I was like, "Oh, we. I don't want to read Revelation. That's so hard to understand." And there's so many. I wouldn't have called them scary images, but just some surprising things, you know. Um, when you when you're reading about uh, being on a, a horse and and the sword coming out of his mouth and just different imagery, you're just like, "Wow, that's wild stuff." Yeah. But uh, you know, I've I've come to really like. Um, a lot of things that are there, um, and perhaps it's our maybe, maybe it's the times we live in. It speaks to us more because we're understanding it more. I, I don't know, but Revelation chapter twenty, uh, verse twelve, um, is an important reminder to me. It says, "And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works." And of course, there's lots more around that chapter, but around that verse in that chapter. But uh, that one is, has spoken to me a long time. And I remember um, it's one of the few verses probably that, that 
struck my mind when I was, um, you know, a student in, in school and, and younger. So I just remember I was, you know, studying things in history and we, we'd, we'd study about King so-and-so and we'd study about this and that of these famous people. And I, it just, this verse just tells me, you know, I don't, I don't need to be in awe of um, a president, a king, a celebrity. They're just people and I'm just people, you know, because in the end of things, the small and the great, there could be, there could be Donald standing in line for his judgment and right next to him could be Queen Elizabeth and it wouldn't matter, you know, the great person, and I'm considering myself a small person, I guess, in that scenario, but the great person and the small person are are going to be judged equally in the eyes of God. Um, and to me, the beautiful thing about that is it makes it possible for us to be judged according to our works. Um, if he didn't see us that way, then it would open the door for uh, being judged on our accomplishments, our riches, our, you know, our things that we would boast about as people. My batting average was, you know, those kinds of things. And <laughs> that's, that's just, that's just not how he looks at us. And to me, that's, that verse is encouraging and hopeful. Um, but I think it should also be humbling so that we don't think of ourselves, uh, I guess, another scripture, think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Right. And since I'm in Revelation, feel free to comment. Um, <laughs> I will. I don't have anything on that one. You, you, <laughs> okay. I, I couldn't add anything to that. <laughs> yeah, Revelation 21, 7 is another one that I kind of pulled out. And um, there's an uh, actually, there's there's two verses in Revelation. They're very similar. Uh, this is just the one I happened to, to, to grab here. But it says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God, and he shall be my son. That word overcome or overcometh is an important word to me. I don't know how you feel about ministry. Uh, I know how I used to feel about ministry and how I feel about ministry now. <laughs> and uh, I guess the point I'm leading to is that um, we're all called to overcome. Um, it'd be easy to say overcome sin, but I think it's even more we're all called to overcome ourselves and to submit ourselves over to God. And it's strange maybe in the, in the regular rational mind to think of overcoming, that overcoming is submitting to God, but it, it really is. And, you know, I used to think the ministry, oh, they're, oh, they're perfect. They don't, they don't, they know so much and they, they don't sin and this and that. And, and then as soon as I was one, I realized, oh, I hope the rest of them sin like I do because <laughs> I don't want to be the only one who's blowing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, um, no, but I've just, I just chuckled to myself with that thought. That's thank you for that. That's good. <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, the ministry have to overcome things too. And um, you know, I, I couldn't speak for any of the other ministry as to what they overcome. And if I did know something about them, it would be, you know, not appropriate for me to share, but it's, you know, it's, it's, I know that we're all just human beings and for whatever reason, there's a responsibility assigned to those that are in the ministry that, you know, I, 
I, I you know, I, we were discussing the callings before, and I, I have these things that I believe are witnesses to my calling, and, and I, I think it's true, but it doesn't make me any more special. You know what I mean? It just means that, um, well, I've, I've got something to do, and I just need to do it. And I, I really can't, I really shouldn't think of it outside of that, or or I'm likely to get myself in uh, in trouble. <laughs> right, right. No, uh, the the idea that ministry are supposed to be infallible is is ridiculous. It it's, is. Yeah. It's uh, the our 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 church history proves that to us very clearly. Yeah. Uh, if 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 Joseph Smith, who who was given so much. And and then uh, not to give away all the details of, of the of the book before you read it all, but the, we kind of messed up in our early church history and went down directions that we shouldn't have gone down. Um, but right from the beginning, the first day the church was established, I think sin entered in, and and the the a fallible man, a human, was put in charge of God's church, and that's what he has to deal with is us. And as long as we're humble, you know, things go, we go the right direction when we get pride full and we kind of have a tendency to veer off. So, uh, no, the, 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 who was it? I was talking about church history. This is why I went down this path. Uh, oh, I was talking with Joel and he says, you know, we all have this job to do and God puts us in these positions where this is your job and this is your job. And says, but the simple fact is we are all human beings and some of them have, we have all have strengths and weaknesses. And this is what makes up the church. This is what makes up the ministry that's, you know, has this job for shepherding the church. But your job, and now I'm presenting here or presenting my thought, Go for it. <laughs> is that the, the church's job is to make the ministry's job easier. And how much do we fail at that as a church? You know, we, we're kind of not making it easy for these men and they have a job to do. And so I kind of, I kind of, we all are fallible and, and yeah, I don't know. It kind of yeah. went off on the wrong direction there, but I, I no, totally get it. And I understand. And just the thought that you said, um, well, I hope everybody else is sinning <laughs> because <laughs> that means I'm the only one and everybody else has got it right. So I, I, that was yeah. just a really, uh, it made me smirk and it made me, I don't know, just love you even more. So I don't know. How <laughs> well, I appreciate that. that. I mean, honestly, I should probably say, I hope nobody else is sitting because that's not what we're supposed to be doing, but uh, I get it. Know, I get it though, but we, that yeah. doesn't sound near as, as uh, a smirkish. <laughs> yeah, I can. Yeah. I, I can be a little ornery sometimes, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and what you said too, uh, in, in what Joel was saying, you know, the, your job to make it easier for the ministry. I, I would, I would also add something, and, and I've spoken it from the pulpit to my own congregation, and I, I believe they would hold my feet to the fire if they felt like they needed to. Um, but one of the jobs of the people that are listening to the minister preach or, or you know, comments at sacrament or whatever he's doing, is to quality check because if our, if any of our ministry are off base, they need to know that and. Uh, you know, you don't want to hear something that's not true and you don't want anybody else to continue hearing things that aren't true. So it's, it's really, there should be a relationship there. And I, I try to make myself open to that and, and, and remember that, um, my brothers and sisters, though, maybe not ministry, all of them are, are there to keep me on the straight and narrow too. So I think it's important anyway. 
Yes, I. You've hit on something there. I've become more brazen in recently as my understanding has grown, or what I think my understanding has grown. <laughs> my understanding of what I think, you know, it should be or something like that. But uh, I, I, I think so. The point is, more recently now, I contend, maybe not contend. I, I think the church is really good at raising our hand and and contending with with and fact checking. I guess I I got to quit saying contending, but. I, I think we're good at that, but the way we do it has got to be put in check. You know, we can't, can't be too angry when we do that. Oh uh, yeah. So, absolutely. so, and, and I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of that, you know, you know, recently. And, and I think there's got to be a, a happy medium. We've got to uh, do it in love and get to the bottom of it. And I yes. think, it, and the, my point is, I think it is important to share why you disagree with somebody. I think we should do that. For you to not do that, but just going on uh, having a, a degree or, or a tickle of not loving that person as much as you did before because he said this, that's that's wrong. So I, I a lot of times, I, if it's enough, and I, and I, and I want to talk to that person about it. It's, it's usually because I want to get to the bottom of this and just say my piece and then get over it so that I'm over it. Does that make sense? I'm not doing it because I want you to suffer or be in pain because you're wrong. It's more, I have to stand up for, it's hard for me to, boy, that sounds really bad because you're wrong. Uh, that's the way I don't want it to come off at. Like what, what sure. it is, is I have to get this off my chest I have to come to an understanding because yeah. my understanding is not what your understanding is. And at the very end, if we, even if it's just that we agree to disagree and you've said your piece and I've said my piece, but I don't feel like I should sit there and take it. If it's something <laughs> that, that is, I have issue with. So I have to talk to somebody about it and more often sure. than not, I have to go and talk to that person. Well, I think that's even scriptural. Uh, to go and talk to that person, and and that's and and what you're expressing, I think is, is right because I think that a resentment that would in fact keep us from loving each other, um, would would be better. Um, how do I want to say this? If we don't air that out and have that discussion, there can be a resentment that's formed, and 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 that's what we don't want. You know, uh, that's that erodes the trust. Right. Um, of brothers and sisters, and and then and I know we're not supposed to trust in the arm of flesh, but I mean in the in the spirit of, in the spirit of our Lord, our Lord's spirit, um, that's supposed to be unifying us. We can actually erode that that bond uh, if we can't have those conversations. I think. Yeah, I think that uh, I'm going to share a little bit more about this situation that happened to me. I, so I, I aired my grievances and the reply back was, if this is so, then you probably missed this point, this point, and this point, which is what I was trying to say. And looking back, I said, you know, I, I think he did make all three of those points, which are really good points, but I couldn't see it because I was angry or upset about something else. And so the yeah. whole sermon was, was lost to me and I couldn't get over this. And I had to, stop and i had to tell them and and i wanted to tell them but then at the same time when they replied back with their intention well that diffused a lot of it you know that yeah. diffused a lot of it and so so 
like we said, we're all we're all fallible, and some of us are are make our mistakes when we're listening. You know, it's not just the person behind the pulpit. Right. Right. No, that's great. And and we should be able to continue those things. I was, um, when I was a, a youngster, <laughs> I, you know, I was kind of in a, a shy person in a shell and, uh, I discovered music. Um, and I mean, I already had music at home and at church, but, uh, you know, it became more part of what I was doing. And so as a student, then I, I began to be someone who performed and, you know, I was in choirs and, show choirs and uh, did the musicals at school and got into acting and and got into uh, um, speech competitions um, so there was some public speaking there and etc i mean and to me these were performances and i was kind of a perfectionist about it um, and i didn't need to be and i learned that lesson too along the way but in fact this this is the next verse i was going to bring up uh, is has been kind of it speaks to me specifically in that but it's uh second nephi chapter 14 and it's verse 12 uh, but it says but behold i say unto you that you must pray always and not faint that you must not perform anything unto the lord save in the first place you shall pray unto the father in the name of christ that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee that thy performance may be for the welfare of thy soul. That particular verse just, it took that word perform, which I remember the first time I read that, I thought, well, the word performance and perform is in is in the Bible in the Book of Mormon? <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't a word that that was, um, it was part of my daily vernacular, but it wasn't something that I thought of as being a scriptural concept. And then when I ran across this, I realized, you know, everything that I do in my life I should be praying to God about it in the first place, um, that he will consecrate thy performance unto thee. And so then I began to, whenever I was going to perform something, um, even on stage or, you know, whatever, a competition, I began to pray before I did it that, you know, that, well, yeah, please don't let me make any mistakes and please help them enjoy it. And I hope I get a good score, you know, those things. Sure. Um, but it was also that good habit. And, you know, based on what we were talking about before, um, I think it would be an error for a minister to not remember to do that before a sermon or before anything. But I think it also applies to all of our lives uh, in any of the things that we do. I think that we would find it difficult to pray about, oh, I'm about to go do this. Please consecrate this to me and help it be for the welfare of my soul. I think we would have a tough time praying that if we were about to do something wrong. Um, mm, yes. Yeah. You know, so if if we really approached things like that, you know, I'm doing this and I'm going to pray about it first, no matter what it is. I think it would actually help us have an understanding of what was right and wrong in, a, in what we were about to do. I like the thought that, that it says, or the idea, I mean, you're going to do this and perform it unto the Lord. And yeah. he turns around and consecrates it to your, your performance unto you. And to me, it's, it's, uh, what a, what a, I don't know. There's, there's something that just makes you smile when you see those words, your efforts, your best efforts to do something for God. He counts that for, to your benefit. Yeah. I know. And, and hopefully it sounds good too. 
<laughs> but but it yeah. does yeah but I, I really like that verse it's highlighted in my in my book of mormon too oh yeah good yeah I, well like i admitted before i don't think it's highlighted in mine but i think there might be an ink line underneath the word performance so <laughs> okay <laughs> you know and again here i am trying to connect things uh but in moroni chapter six i guess would be a, another one that i think is really important to the way i perceive the way i think about church and think about what we do in it. Um, Moroni 6, 9, um, the whole chapter, of course, it, it talks about baptism. It talks about recording people's names and uh, meeting together, again, for the welfare of their souls, to to speak one another for that. And it also talks about what to do with iniquity and repentance and, and all of that. But uh, verse 9 uh, says, And their meetings were conducted by the church after the manner of the workings of the Spirit and by the power of the Holy Ghost, for as the power of the Holy Ghost led them whether to preach or exhort or to pray or to supplicate or to sing, even so it was done. That I've always been enamored with that verse. Even as a child, um, I say child, you know, a, a, a reading, a reading individual <laughs> okay. um, of that age, you know, and, and having any understanding of things. Um, I, I remember even not being baptized yet and thinking in my mind, you know, do we do that in this church? And I, like many, probably others before have identified. Sometimes I, I think we do things out of just the tradition of that's the way we always do it. And sometimes the spirit moves and, and we're doing something because the spirit says to do it. And um, I, of course, by reading this verse, I'm just, I guess I find myself being more willing to, um, have the door open for doing things differently. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know, my, my congregation might attest to things like that where, you know, I'll open a service and say, I don't think we're singing yet. So we're going to have an opening prayer and then I'll have the scripture. And then later on we can do a lot of singing, you know, yeah. and I'm not afraid to do that if, if I feel like that that's what's supposed to happen. But I, I really think that we have to be open to that, not just in our services, but all the time, um, doing things after the manner of the workings of the Spirit. Um, if we can't be led by the Holy Ghost, then what are we doing, you know? I put a lot of that responsibility on the ministers in charge of the service. Yeah, and, and when when we're talking about uh, a church service, I think, I think that's reasonable. Um, but at the same time, I think that, uh, you know, take a sacrament service, for instance, uh, we have a way that we do those services, you know, generally speaking, where everybody kind of knows the map. And I don't think that anybody, uh, even a congregation member, uh, for lack of a better phrase, should be worried about standing up and saying, hey, I, I want to pray. Can we have another season of prayer? And I think that... Um, I would like to believe that 100% of the time, the, the minister in charge would be like, yeah, let's have a season of prayer, and it would be okay. I, I don't know that the person in charge of the meeting has to be the one, the the only one feeling the spirit and, and leading what happens next. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. Uh, I've been in services where the a, a member of the, the congregation said, can we pray? 
and knelt down and started praying and the person up front didn't hear what was going on. And, and so the mm. the people can make those suggestions, but yield to the the leadership at the front so that we're not, you know, disheveled and, and you know, do things in order. Oh, yeah, and so, absolutely. So there's some degree of that. So I guess that responsibility to keep us in a, an order, orderly fashion, falls on the, the minister in charge. But also, in spite of that, it might be up to the minister in charge to say to say no, you know, to, to say, true, uh, you know, I know this is a testimony you feel you need to bear, but we just had a calling and and we're going to give time for that. But I want to focus on this first or s- some other situation like that. It's up to the oh, minister absolutely. in charge to keep us in order. I know one oh, time. Yeah. Here, here's another example. Uh I have I have, I've regretted this moment my since it ever ever since it happened. Someone called for admonition, right? The big long song, and I remembered thinking oh, I don't want to sing this. <laughs> <laughs> and then I so I think I I just kind of put the book away and sat there and and we then it was quiet again at the end of the and my mind went somewhere else. And then for some strange reason, and I and this is a confession. You can all say it was me. I'll confess to everyone. The words of that song were in my head and I couldn't get them out of my head. I was thinking, and it's like this, have we called for this song? (laughs) And so I raised my hand and called for it again. I called for admonition again when I didn't want to sing the song in the first place. And so I made everyone in the church sing it twice because I was (laughs) obviously not in tune with the spirit. But I, and I was thinking, I wish whoever was up front said, Daniel, we just sang that song. But you're welcome to go outside and sing it by yourself. Or, or, you know, you're welcome to go. <laughs> would you like to do a solo for all of you know? But we've just done this. Where were you? You know, call me out for for being not paying attention or something. Don't let me ruin the service for the rest of you. And so, so I kind of so like I said, I put that responsibility on the ministry to keep us in order when I don't have the focus, you know, or, or I'm gonna about to ruin it for everybody. Well, and I would agree with that. And um... Yeah, what what I was saying before was that it's um, a minister being in charge. Though uh, you're right, he's in fact uh, that's not a scripture I had on my list, but it makes me think of the one that to, to see that we do all things in wisdom and in order. And I think yeah. that's King Benjamin. But um, I, absolutely, I agree with you on that. But I, I think sometimes, and I, I remember being this way when I was, you know, in the congregation and not up front. And if I'm I'm up front a lot because you know I'm one of just a couple ministry in my local, but, but I remember um, just the thought that I thought that the minister in charge was the only one that was, will you paying attention to the spirit and the rest of us just had to, you know, do what he said. And that's not necessarily the case either, but you're absolutely right. That person is in charge of keeping things in order and making sure that there's no, well, in fact, that guards against there being confusion in what's happening. And we all know the author of confusion is, 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 um, the devil. So yeah, I agree with you on that. I'm looking at a terrible segue. (laughs) I'm looking at Jacob chapter three. um, Oh, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. And I, I usually, uh, whenever I'm on this one, I read nine through 17 uh, or 9 through 16, I think it is. Um, and I don't necessarily have to read the whole passage, but there, there are lots of uh, things that stand out to me about that passage. Um, you know what? I'm going to go ahead. Why not? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, starting at verse 9, Behold, great and marvelous are the works of the Lord. How unsearchable are the depths of the mysteries of him, and it is impossible that man should find out all his ways. And no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. Wherefore, brethren, despise not the revelations of God. For behold, by the power of his word, man came upon the face of the earth, which earth was created by the power of his word. Wherefore, if God being able to speak, and the world was, and to speak, and man was created, oh then, why not able to command the earth or the workmanship of his hands upon the face of it, according to his will and pleasure? Wherefore, brethren, seek not to counsel the Lord, but to take counsel from his hand. For behold, ye yourselves know that he counseleth in wisdom and in justice and in great mercy over all his works. Wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ, his only begotten Son. Any Anytime I've read this passage or used it in a sermon or, you know, anything like that, the, there are key things that have always jumped out at me, but... One of the things is about verse 11, where it says, despise not the revelations of God. And I don't remember how long ago, but I, I feel like I came to a, um, a new understanding of what the revelations of God are. And, and I think that I, I like many others, probably, uh, whenever I would read that verse, I just figured that people would refer to um, the revelations that are in our church history that, you know, well, it got combined into the Book of Commandments and, and all that. And and I, I began, I, I came to a new idea of what that was really talking about because the verse says, and no man knoweth of his ways, save it be revealed unto him. And I'm thinking, well, how does God reveal things to us? Is it is it a vision? Well, yeah, it could be. Um, is it um, a dream? Yeah, and I've had one of those that I think was him speaking directly to me. Um, but revelations of God are also um, are also when you pray about something and you ask something and he answers it he's just revealed himself to you uh, he's, he's just revealed you know I, I heard you and this this is okay I'm gonna I'm gonna give that to you or this is not okay <laughs> I'm not gonna give that to you but when he answers our prayers um, it's a revelation of God when we have a testimony of the fact that he we recognize that he did something in our lives um however small or however great it's a revelation of god and those are things that should cause us to awe and to wonder and also to increase our comprehension of of who he is i was going somewhere else in jacob but this one i mean I've, I've got some verses highlighted here too. When you read it, my mind went to despise not the revelations of God. And I lingered there while you kept reading. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. And well, that's in fact, and, and like I said, that's one that just jumps out at me as, as a very important thing. If, if we, if we had, if we had a negative feeling about the revelations of God, then I mean, where are we going to get our information? Suddenly we, it's like we were snuffing out the the best communication and the best information source that we've got. So where are you going to find your information about life then if you're not going to like what God reveals to you? Hmm. Let that but, let you know, that marinate there for everyone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and then the verse 16 at the end of that phrase, wherefore, beloved brethren, be reconciled unto him through the atonement of Christ. You know, it's it's that 
to me, it's another one of those positions. And there's lots in King Benjamin that I think are, are, are like that too, where we could go back to Mosiah, which I, you know, again, those are the many things that I start thinking of when I have a list here and then I'm like, oh, I should have included that. But it just the, the concept of knowing what our place is. And it's, it's not, we're not supposed to be trying to tell God what to do. Um, we're supposed to be taking, taking counsel from him and being reconciled unto him. We're the ones that are out of bounds um, in this life, not God. And so we're supposed to remember that and go, oh, I should be reconciling myself to him and getting these revelations to my life so that I know what I need to do that's better than what I could come up with myself. Hmm. At least that's what it tells me. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I have... I don't want to comment on that one. I just, it, it cuts, it cuts deep, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Well, and in fact, that kind of goes along with uh, another one here. I had on the list, and I don't stop me when when it's too much. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go to Matthew. Um, I don't know why Matthew speaks so well to me. Uh, it's it's funny of of all the four gospels, I find myself going to Matthew more than the others, and I, I don't know why that is because I think there are better accounts of things in some of the other gospels. But uh, maybe it's because it's the first one. I, I don't I don't know. But um, in Matthew sixteen, verses fifteen, sixteen, and I think seventeen too. Yeah, it's in the same vein, I think, as the other, uh, but it says, uh, this is where Christ is asking his disciples, who do who do people say that I am? And they go through their answers and all that, and then he asks, um, but whom say ye that I am? And that's verse 15. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father which is in heaven. And so that's, that's kind of, again, there's me making a connection between the Bible and the Book of Mormon, but I, I think it's a strong, here's Jesus himself saying, identifying for Simon Barjona, you know, for, for Simon Peter, and for us too, that that knowledge that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, is something that God reveals to us. And it's not something that man tells us. It's something that we, we each I mean, how amazing is that? We, in order to be to want to be a Christian, we each have to have that revealed to our heart, and then we act on that. And so, you know, I'm talking to you on the phone, and you've had that revealed to you somehow too, to your heart. Or, or, or why would you be involved in this? Why would you call yourself a Christian? Why would you be baptized? And then here I am on the other end of the line, and and I'm in the same boat. But it happened for you as an individual, and it happened for me as an individual. And I just, it's like, wow, look at what he does. And it's the same revelation uh, that he is the Christ. So yesterday I used this verse in a, in a uh, study I presented online. And then cool. in the same podcast, probably two episodes later, if you were to just keep on listening to the podcast after I published this, I just did Jacob chapter three or the book of Jacob. So you're hitting on verses that are very familiar to me, recently familiar to me. Oh, and, good. And it's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? This mm -hmm. one, this one, I, this idea that it's the spirit of God that does this or, or God does it, reveals it to us through, and I'm saying through the spirit of God, 
through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. This logic to it, this, this is the only way that life makes sense to me. And there's just a, an order and a logic to being a Christian. And that's, that might sound weird, but that is what, what convinces me, I guess. Yeah. And, and well, and, and to me, that's probably the first and most important revelation to us is, is to know that, that he is the Christ. And because to me, that's not, that's the beginning, but it's also the, the guiding light out of everything we do. Like you just said, you know, you, you can't, you can't even imagine, you know, that that's, that's the way you look at life now. And yeah, that's, I think that's just, it's huge. Right. It makes, it's a much easier conclusion than chance or yeah. aliens or, you know, whatever <laughs> theory you have. This right. one just makes more sense to me. It's more logical and is and the scriptural prophecies supporting it just it just it's it's easier to believe to be a Christian to me knowing what I know and seeing what I've seen than it is to not believe. So Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That that God does that for us that he gives us that revelation through his holy spirit. I guess that's where I have a hard time drawing the line is was that God or was that me? You know, but when when I recognize it that it was God, <laughs> that's yeah. the that's the part that that works here that we're talking about. So, yeah. Well, and you mentioned prophecy. In fact, that's one of these. That's one of them on my list. And and it's uh, Isaiah chapter nine verse six. And in fact, uh, we're right now we are going through Isaiah in our adult Sunday school class at Warrensburg. And so we've recently read this, but I, this this verse has always been important to me. And it's funny um, for the reason why it started to be important to me. But anyway, it's Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The reason why this has been a favorite verse of mine is actually because of the many times I've had the opportunity to sing in a presentation of Handel's Messiah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? But so I could sit here and I could sing it, you know, for unto us a child is born, you know, and I could I could do that. But what that did for well, me. Well we do was, like okay. it when you do sing. <laughs> what well, thank you. There we go. Oh I'll, I'll I'll remember how to do that. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's just something that um, bonded me to the verse to have that experience. And then, and then, you know, then when you actually kind of soak in what it's talking about, not just the prophecy of, of Christ being born um, in the flesh, but, but also the, um, the government shall be upon his shoulder. We're not talking about the government of Israel. We're not talking about, you know, he'll be the mayor of Bethlehem. We're talking about the rules and the regulations of our lives, of our salvation, of our, uh, of our worship of everything, it, he is in charge of everything. the The world, the the world is his footstool. It is his, and the government of it is upon him. He determines the things that happen here. And wow, you know. And then as you go through, his name is Wonderful Counselor, and then it says the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then says the Prince of Peace. So it's. It's that idea, and in fact, I read uh, 
was it back in uh second uh, Nephi 13 that last verse uh, verse 32 in that one that that says um, that they are one God without end and and I see this in this verse this connection again between the the biblical account and the Book of Mormon saying that you know Christ is the mighty God the everlasting Father he he is one with the Father and I I don't know I just it just makes me uh, it's one of those moments where I don't think I could come up with all of the right words to say, and I would just kind of gush saying the same things over and over again. But it's just, it's just amazing to me, to to read that. But that thought, the government shall be upon his shoulder. You just put it in a way that maybe a lot of us didn't recognize in that verse. Um, so thank you for sharing that and that that intuitive. Uh, 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 I don't know what I'm trying to say. That was very intuitive. <laughs> the thought well, I, of him and all of this is on. I mean, he's the one that made the world to, to think that right. he can't have control or he's not in control of it is ridiculous. He, yeah, he, the government is on his shoulder. I don't, I don't think I'll ever read that the same. <laughs> well, and, and it, and it does tie into Jacob chapter three, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if he can, if he, with his word can, can make the world and, and create man, then why not have, power over all of his workmanship to his will and pleasure. You know, it really ends up connecting back to that too. And I, I don't know, I, I just think it's important. Um, if, if, if you will, I got a couple more maybe. Sure. Okay. And I'm so glad you're going to be editing a lot of stuff because nobody likes dead air. <laughs> I'm so leaving that in. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's your podcast. Um, I'm I'm going to Acts, um, if I could get this to cooperate here. There we go. Acts the eighth chapter. And and you know the eighth the eighth chapter is um towards the end of the eighth chapter is where Philip is is instructed to go near the um the chariot where the eunuch is. Mm-hmm. And uh, the eunuch is, is reading, you know, out of, once you translate Isaiah, you know, he's reading out of Isaiah and he asks, you know, asks him, do you understand what you're reading? And he says, well, except somebody should guide me. I, I really, you know, I really don't know what I'm reading, if you can help me out with that, in a sense. Um, and, and so Philip teaches him Jesus and ends up baptizing him. And and that's that's awesome. He's like, you know, <laughs> Can I be baptized? Like there's there's water right here, you know, and and so he baptizes him, and it's it's an awesome awesome thing that you read there. But one thing that's always just caught my attention and just makes me wonder is is the 39th verse, and it says, and when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Um, and then the 40th verse really needs to go with it. It says, but Philip was found at, and I won't know how to pronounce this, so I'm going to give it a mm-hmm. shot, and people can correct me in the comments or whatever, but Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. And, you know, not only have we had this great moment where someone has been converted to Christ through Scripture and through the teaching of Philip, who has been called to do this, you know, by the Spirit, go go talk to him, you know, go go talk to him about what he's reading 
and he's baptized, but also then the eunuch comes out of the water and doesn't see Philip anymore because Philip's been caught away in this, the spirit and he founded another town. And I, you know, I don't know if I read too much into that or not, but I'm just, I'm amazed. Um, you know, another place, the scriptures that in the Bible, it says, you know, with God, all things are possible. And, you know, I, I don't think, what am I trying to say here? I think that we don't need, we don't need Captain America. We don't need Superman. We don't need people that are, of course, fictional characters that we assign all these great powers to. We've got a God who can literally take you from one place and put you in another, you know, and it, the the things that God can do if we're, well, first of all, if it's in his will, and secondly, if we're open to it, it's it's just amazing to me that he can just take one person from one place and put him in another. And I don't know if that's the thing I should really learn out of that story. But as I read that, I'm just like, wow. And, and why, why couldn't he do that with, with you or with me or with any of us that have a faith and a willingness such as that? I, I, I'm going to really not do this well, but I, I remember hearing and i don't remember the details well enough but i remember hearing testimonies of the early days when when our ministry would go down to uh, yucatan and i I remember hearing someone tell the story of uh, this man who was walking along and he you know he was just walking but he beat them to the next town and they were i believe they were in a car but he got there ahead of them and basically prepared the people for their arrival, and I'm being very general here because I don't really want to mess up the details, <laughs> but, you know, how does a man walk that fast, and who was this man, and, you know, it's the kind of thing where, obviously, it was a testimony that that God, you know, you could say the three Nephites, you could say whatever you wanted to, an angel, you know, but God had sent someone to prepare their way as they came from town to town, and he did this actually very amazing thing, and it was in the power of God. You know, and it makes me think of the time we're in, and it makes me think of the fact that we are counting on a second coming of our Savior. And I think to myself, what things are we going to all be asked to do, if we're willing, that will be accomplished in the power of God that might, you know, that that Daniel might do, or that Donald, Donald might do, or that, you know, fill in the blank might do, because... God needs it to be done. And, and that actually amazes me at the thought rather than scaring me or concerning me. And, I, you know, I'm looking forward to what he may have us do to help him close out this great plan he has. I look, I, I'm in the same kind of boat. I'm filled with anticipation at a time when we're looking around at all this, you know, uh, uh, well, you said it earlier. Revelations is kind of scary, and I've t- yeah. I've told people that when and when I've studied, I said, "Well, then go read the Book of Mormon version. It's better. It, it's nicer. It's it's the good guys are clearly being held in the palm of God's hand, and in, in in uh the Book of Mormon version and the Revel the Book of Revelation, you hear that 
it's kind of directed towards the bad guys. Here's all the bad stuff that's about to happen. And it's, mm-hmm. and, and so looking at the time frame we're in, we're in the, that, that era where all this bad stuff is about to happen. And what goes along with that is all these miracles and blessings and outpouring of the spirit that we have not seen in our lives. I, I don't think we were, what a, what a great time to be a witness uh, and to, to see, we, we may see the second coming. I just, I'm filled with anticipation. Yeah. Well, and, and I think we're supposed to be, um, number one, uh, and, and I'm, I'm off the, I hope I'm not preaching, but you know, number one, you know, there's, we have the job of being watchmen to, to raise the alarm and, and to tell people, you know, Number two, we, we, we have the job just in our own personal lives of uh, another place the scripture says, work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. It should be that important to us. We have the responsibility to be an example to others, uh, but we're also told not to fear. And I, I think that that anticipation where we're, we're hopeful and we're excited about what may, may be coming or what may happen, I think... I don't know. And again, hey, quality check me here. But I, I think maybe those things are are acts of of charity in a way. Uh, how how would we be bold to do the things God would have us to do? How can we be bold to to be a, a good example and speak His word? And and uh, how can we anticipate things that other people are fearful of um, and anticipate it with excitement if we didn't have uh, that faith, that hope, and and that love in us, that would would make it not be a fearful thing. Yeah, I. My mind went somewhere kind of. What you just described is the hard part. <laughs> I'm looking forward to all the things the rest of you guys are going to do. I'm going to try to just keep myself, you know on the straight and narrow. <laughs> okay. So, so, I, so I am looking forward to this time frame. all the things that God's going to do. I don't necessarily think, uh, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but what, what you just described is all the hard stuff that I struggle with as being that, that having charity and, and, and being bold in the face of, uh, I don't know. I, I don't equate uh day-to-day living with, the miracles that we're about to see happen in in the world. I, I kind of, I struggle with that and that's to my own shame, but I have this anticipation of what the church is going to do. And, and the, while that's going on, I just hope I'm around to see it. Yeah. Well, and I think, um, you know, you, we had mentioned earlier as, as we've been discussing things that um, everyone, uh, I think it was back when you were talking about uh, your conversation, maybe with Joel, but everyone has gifts um, every, everyone has things that God, you know, he puts them places and he puts them, uh, I'll say it this way. He, he puts the right people together at, in the right place at the right time to, to accomplish his, his work. And, uh, I, I think really that can fall to all of us. Um, you know, I, I'm excited by this podcast idea, for instance, and the things that I've seen as I've, as I got more familiar with the the podcast network, you guys are doing, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm going, you know, this to me is another example of another opportunity of an, of an outreach and another way to uh, encourage and, you know, maybe 
maybe you're not a minister, but you're doing something that is to me part of what I was talking about. And and I think that all of us have that that opportunity to contribute to the to the whole picture in that way. Yeah, I think I I think all of us are kind of obligated to. I yeah. feel I feel obligated to. I shouldn't say that. I feel obligated and this is something I can do and it's it's easy for me to do. So what is holding you up? This all started because me and Cody fan were doing podcasts of our fantasy football league. And so, so we got good at doing podcasts and we said, well, maybe we should apply ourselves a little more constructively. And, and we found that this niche here, so it's something that's easy for us to do. So I, I don't mind doing it. Yeah. Well, and you, it's easy for you to do because you've been prepared to do it by learning how to do it in the first place. And now, you know, now you're doing it for, for God's sake. And and I, I think that to me again, and, and you can say thank you at the end, but <laughs> to me again, that's a, that's an example of what I think we all are supposed to be trying to do. Um, taking the gifts and talents that he gave us and turning them back into something to glorify his name. It's so hard to say thank you. It is hard. <laughs> it's just not in my nature. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, and, and that's that's meant to be an encouragement for you. And, and, and hopefully everybody that listens to this, an encouragement for them. Because one of the things that I've always been about, and, and I've said it from the pulpit many times, is I just, I want whatever is coming out of my mouth. And I'll say it that way, because I, I don't really want to be in control of it. You know, uh, I want whatever's coming out of my mouth to be encouraging. And um, encouraging people in the right way. And that doesn't mean I'm a... Oh my goodness, that does not mean that I've, man, Donald, he's got it down pat. You know, Donald's, Donald's not making any mistakes. He's, no, that's, that would be a lie. But if I'm behind the pulpit, that needs to not be Donald. That needs to be the encouraging word of God. And, and that's because it's God's thing. It's not my thing. And I just get to be, I just get to be a part of it. And I'm so thankful. That's great. I, I, it's long silence, but nothing to add to that. We're grateful too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess I had maybe one more. Um, okay. Uh, Philippians chapter four, uh, verse eight. And, and actually there's, again, there's more verses there that could be, that could be mentioned, but uh, yeah. finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Um, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I guess that was verses 8 and 9, actually, but that verse 8 is, has been very important to me at uh, different times of, of struggle. Um, You've ever heard the phrase stinking thinking before? Uh, Randy loves it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and I actually, um, Randy's not where I heard it first. So that was funny when I heard it from him either to me. But uh, yeah, it's great. Um, and it's, uh, to me, this verse is, it's a good way to look at, uh, I'm going to say it's a good way to look at repentance. Because repentance is not just, oh, I'm so sorry I did that. But it's also... I, you know, I mentioned before in, in Revelation, you know, overcoming, and uh, we're supposed to be doing the work to overcome those natural man 
carnal thinking, sinful things in our lives. And I think one of the, wow, the word I was going to say just left my brain. I, I think that one of the remedies for that is this, you know, if we are thinking about the things that we should be thinking about, then our brain is not going to be tied up thinking about the things we shouldn't be thinking about. Um, I think another place in scriptures, it says evil imaginations, right? <laughs> and to me, this is the remedy for that, um, to, to put our mind where it ought to be. So I see this as an integral part of, of repentance, uh, getting our mind right, you know? Absolutely. This, this, I, I, I don't want to comment as much. Kate tells me you're not the minister. Let them share their scriptures. <laughs> and I want to. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, I'm biting my tongue. No, I, I think it's great it, because the conversation is, uh, is important. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to feel like, uh, see, now I'm going to, I'm not sure how to, to phrase it. Uh, a minister needs to be real. Uh, a minister needs to be approachable. A minister needs to be able to connect. Uh, I think those are important things that are qualities. And I, I think some of some of our ministry do an, a better job of it than others because maybe it's their gift and the others, it's not so much their gift. Uh, but, uh, and I'm, I'm not in charge of that, but I just think that those things are important. And for me anyway, if I'm, if I'm not real, then I'm not going to be as effective. And to me, a, a real conversation with someone like we've been having is, is awesome. I, I'd love to hear what you have to say, you know, because it actually, it will do a couple of things. It will actually uh, encourage me or, or, or help me understand something I didn't think of in a certain way. Or in, in the other sense, as the scriptures say, again, you know, iron sharpening iron, it, it will, it will do, it will have that effect. Okay. So I'm going to paraphrase what you said back to you. Uh, these, this verse, chapter eight, if you put this in your mind, this is how you repent. This is how you get over that sin. Well, it's an element of it. Yeah, it's okay. not. But I, I think I think sin is not just a sin can be a poor choice, but sin can comes also when we're not thinking in the spirit, but we're thinking in our in our carnal okay. mind. So let me describe to you now. I'm in a prayer service. Mm -hmm. I'm trying my best to stay focused on God, and a thought will go into my head that has no business being there. And I'm, I, I'm so mad at myself for, for thinking that I, when uh -huh. I want to be holy right now, I'm trying so hard to be holy. And then there's a, the song, my mom always refers to the song that Cynthia Lawrence sang, uh, what do I know of holy? And so that applies here. What do I, I have no chance. I have no, and it's only through the blood of Christ. I get all that. But the situation where that thought does not belong there. And it is there because I have not dwelt on chapter eight. I did not spend enough time being true, honest, just, pure, and thinking of lovely and, and of good report because I spent some time doing something that put a thought in my head that should never be there. You know, that's the struggle. I mean, and, and honestly, it, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to avoid. You got advertisements and, and oh yeah, just, you know, the world is everywhere and you can't, you know, we are, we're in the world, but not of it, but every it's, it's everywhere. And you, sometimes you just can't avoid it. And sometimes 
the way I, I now we're going down a, a path that if we're at the end of this, you can tell me I don't want to go there um, and we can edit this out. I, I have a, a, I'm a carnal man, right? Um, yeah. And so thoughts or things that I let my eyes linger on too long, I need to repent of. And I, cause, cause I, I, it's a sin what just happened and I allowed myself to sin. And then I stayed there longer than I you know. I didn't immediately shut it off. And, right. and then, so that type of behavior, when you go and entertain yourself with the, the TV shows, um, that I, you know, I'm laughing at this TV show. It's funny. And really I'm looking at, what is this? This is, this is a, I think the show was uh will and grace. And it's like, that's, uh, uh, Oh yeah homosexuality being portrayed and where I'm laughing at it. It's like, ah, uh, you know, I just, where do I draw the line? And, and I have to separate that out of my mind and, and not laugh at those, those jokes shouldn't be funny to me. Right. I don't know. So, so it's that, it's that world, right? We're, we're in the world. And if you, if you enjoy it, if you enjoy the world, you know, you're kind of not doing what this verse says, chapter, uh, verse eight of, of Philippians four. Yeah, you're right. Because your mind is, um, you know, you could take that list and, and take some of those words out and put something back in there or just try the, you know, the opposites game where you're, yeah. you're just taking the opposites of words. That's where your mind is, is on those opposite things. But you, I, I think you, you, I, I believe that I heard you making a good point that, you know, it's, you know, what would you say? Uh, what do I know about holy? Um, the title of that song, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not, we're not capable um, of holy. Um, you know, um, another place talks about the the filth the, the, that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Um, you know, we're, we're there's there's no way that we'll ever be holy enough. But at the same time, who hasn't said? you know, God, what do I do? Because I, I want to do the right thing. So you gotta, you've gotta, you've gotta show me, you gotta help me do better. And um, so it's, it's that we, we have the knowledge that we just can't do it ourselves and we're looking for his help. And then when he gives us help, then we, we still fall down on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it could seem hopeless um, in that regard, except that we instead have hope because um, we, we know that, well, God's got this, you know, and that we need to reconcile ourselves to him, sure, and, and then rely on him. And, you know, it's, I, I think, uh, I've always thought that repentance is an act of righteousness. It's not that you're so righteous because, oh, I've repented. It's when we're truly repenting, what are our choices? We could we could be depressed and run away and hide and never talk to God again, never pray again, never go to church again. Oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. Or we could repent in our closet or before the congregation or whatever we the Spirit leads us to do. And that actually encourages others. And that actually, um, you know, that does good things. Um, and, and so I think repentance is an act of righteousness more than it's a, Oh, I blew it, and I'm so sad and upset with myself. You know, there it's, was it's something. Yeah, go ahead. There was a sermon I heard at the the temple lot one time, and 
I'm going to quote what was said, and and maybe this will sound familiar to you. Um, I'm not a sinner. I'm a repenter. <laughs> that does sound familiar. <laughs> you care to elaborate on that? Um, yeah, I, I remember saying that, um, and it was at a, a prayer meeting. Um, and I, I walked up to the front microphone thinking I had something important to share, I guess, but <laughs> that ended up being part of what I said. Um, that I used to use the phrase, you know, I'm a sinner. And I, I used it with the idea of, of trying to help other help people understand that even as a minister, we commit sins and that we're, we're in the same boat, you know, along those lines and that we're not uh, on a pedestal or above everyone. And um, I came to the realization that that's the wrong attitude, um, that I, I shouldn't be saying that I'm a sinner. Because if I'm a sinner, then I haven't learned anything that uh, that i'm a repenter which means i recognize their sin in my life and i'm willing to do something about it and and that that's more important than than being a sinner because well that's part of the overcoming part Mm -hmm. Um, that that hopeful turn that hopeful spin on it is the mm -hmm. it's it's the way for you to get a hold of me and those those thoughts those uh I'm very good at putting myself down. I don't need any help. <laughs> and so <laughs> when you put things in this way, in a hopeful way, it, I've, uh, there's been times where the things you have said have affected me. And this is one of them. I will never forget it. I will never forget that I am not a sinner. I am not a sinner. I am a repenter and I'm going to get over this. And, and, and you take these steps forward and it's easier. I think it, it, it uh, it helps. It helps me. I'm glad. And, and, you know, and it's, for me, it's, I could spend all day long swimming around in my own cesspool of, of, of shame. And, and like you said, I, I know how to beat myself up pretty well. I don't need anybody to help me do it. Um, but who does that glorify? You know, when we have our own little fit and fall in it, we're really kind of in a way trying to glorify ourselves. So look at me, I need attention and, and, you know, and all that. And, but when we, when we uh, repent and when we bring our our failings to God and say, I recognize this, um, you know, sin is a fact and it can be a, a condition, um, but the repentance is is not a fact. It's a choice, uh, but it's it's a choice for for what is hopeful and, and what's right. You know, it gets us going in the in the correct direction and and then it glorifies God instead of glorifying us. And I think that's really his whole point is. <laughs> He wants his creation to glorify him uh, and understand, you know, um, understand our place and, and his place. As a matter of fact, I was um, looking at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, and it, uh, you know, it, Ephesians 2, 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. And we get nervous in our church saying that we're saved through, you know, that it's by grace we're saved because we get worried that that sounds like um, sounds like a part of somebody else's doctrine that we don't agree with, you know, but it's in there and it's right. But remember that grace is like mercy. It's, it's something that covers us and uh, it's the extended hand of Christ. And it's, we're never going to be holy enough. We're never going to be righteous enough, but if we're glorifying God and we're going in the right direction and we're repenting, you know, there's a, there's a gift that he can give us that will, 
we'll finish we'll finish what we are incapable of finishing and uh that's important to remember okay i'm gonna wrap it up i'm gonna i mean yeah. we're this we've been going for an hour and 45 minutes can you believe that? oh cool <laughs> um i think this is the longest podcast so congratulations oh, well okay i wasn't necessarily shooting for that <laughs> as you can tell i like like to have a discussion so okay uh no it was a good discussion i'm gonna start us off i, I, I don't know for some reason i just you've had so many good one-liners avoidable turmoil sin is a fact just now i, I wrote that, that down it's like man that's that's a good one too uh every scripture needs to teach us about jesus christ all, all these different things you've said that i'm going to remember and uh, i appreciate the time you've spent with us uh with me but i'm now i'm in podcast mode uh, so thank you for yeah. the time you spent with us this evening and say, uh, say goodbye to the people and, uh, and thank you for being here. Okay. Well, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure and, uh, well, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Thanks. Okay. That was Donald Gill. Uh, what do you know? For my yoke is easy and my birth. Easy and my birth.